welcome to the Bloomberg Law Podcast. I'm June Grosso. Every day we bring you insight and analysis into the most important legal news of the day. You can find more episodes of the Bloomberg Law Podcast on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and on Bloomberg.com slash podcasts. The stakes are high and so is the drama at the San Francisco trial where Uber is fighting claims by rival Waymo that it stole critical technology for driverless cars. The most highly anticipated witness took the stand yesterday and had a lot of explaining to do. Billionaire Travis Kalanick, Uber's ousted co-founder, is accused of conspiring with one of Waymo's lead engineers to take thousands of proprietary files before he joined Uber. Joining me is Bloomberg News legal editor Peter Blumberg. Peter, tell us the basic questions the jury will have to decide. Well, the jury's going to have to decide whether Uber... uh, improperly took proprietary information that belonged to Alphabet's self-driving unit, Waymo. And specifically, uh, the question is whether uh, Uber used uh, trade secrets, intellectual property, that belonged to Waymo. So Kalanick took the stand yesterday. What was his demeanor as he was being questioned by Waymo's lawyers? Well, yesterday, uh, Kalanick was, uh, was, was cooperative and, uh, and held himself up well, uh, but he tended towards uh, short, uh, sometimes clipped answers. And uh, today, when he was questioned by Uber's uh, attorney, uh, he gave more expansive, lengthier answers. Uh, obviously, it's uh, more friendly questions, so he feels more comfortable Uh, letting loose a bit. Yeah, it might be a tactic, too, to keep your answers short. Um, In the notes of an in-house meeting with the head of Uber's driverless car program in December of 2015, Kalanick outlined a list of things he wanted, quote, source, all of their data, tagging, roadmap, pound of flesh, IP. How did he explain that, especially all of their data? Well, yesterday, uh, again, when he was being questioned uh, by his adversary's attorneys, uh, he was on the defensive, and he had to uh, explain that sometimes pound of flesh is a term he uses. And then when he was asked specifically about IP, which is, stands for intellectual property, uh, he said that he did not remember using that specific word, uh, but he didn't deny it. Then today, when he was being questioned by Uber's attorney, he made clear that when he said he wanted intellectual property, he wanted the intellectual property belonging to Anthony Lewandowski's own startup called Otto. So he wasn't, in other words, he wasn't uh, uh, lusting for Waymo's intellectual property. Tell us about Anthony Lewandowski. Well, Lewandowski is the engineer who's at the center of this dispute. He was the rock star robocar project leader for the Waymo unit uh, until January 2016 when he left Waymo. And at that very moment, he was already forming his own self-driving startup called Auto, which was then acquired by Uber in August of 2016 in a $680 million stock deal. So it's the overlap where... Uh, Lewandowski is 
transitioning out of Waymo and into forming his own company that's ultimately acquired by Uber that is the source of tension that's at the center of this case. Stand by one moment. There's some breaking news. Senator Lindsey Graham has said that a budget deal has been reached and he's all in. We are going to have more on that story coming up. So is uh, Lewandowski going to be testifying at this trial? Well, Lewandowski is required to uh, go to the witness stand when he is called as a witness uh, by Waymo, but um, he has consistently uh, stayed uh, uh, quiet, uh, silent even, throughout the year of litigation, asserting his constitutional right uh, against self-incrimination. And so um, he is expected not to uh, say much on the witness stand, but he will be required to tell the jury that he's asserting his Fifth Amendment right. So, Peter, on the whole, how has Kalanick's testimony been? Well, it's been mixed. Uh, certainly, Waymo has um, has scored uh, some zingers with uh, the uh, hill, even mountain of circumstantial evidence it has that he was conspiring with Lewandowski, with Lewandowski even before Lewandowski left Waymo. Uh, but on the other hand, uh, uh, Kalanick has had a ch- has had an opportunity to put uh, put some of these things into context and put his own. Um, less sinister spin on these events. And uh, just in about uh, 45 seconds here, uh, the judge is well known for being strict. Tell us a little bit about uh, what's been happening in the courtroom. Well, uh, the judge uh, has uh, has already had to deal with some showdowns uh, uh, between the attorneys over what evidence uh, will be allowed uh, into the trial, and these uh, these conferences usually take place out out of the jury's earshot, and uh, the judge has to uh, referee uh, disputes over what evidence will be allowed in, and he has, for instance, uh, ruled that uh, Uber cannot block its former ex-board member, Bill Gurley, from being questioned about his own criticism of how Travis Kalanick handled the acquisition of Lewandowski's auto. And that right, could I'm, be... We will have to pick this discussion up again because there's a lot more of this trial to come. Thanks for your insights, Peter. That's Bloomberg News legal editor Peter Blumberg. Will he or won't he? Will the president sit down for an interview with special counsel Robert Mueller, as he said he's eager to do, or won't he? The range of people saying he should not agree to an interview is wide, from former Vice President Joe Biden to some of the president's own lawyers. That's according to The New York Times. If the president refuses, it could set the stage for a constitutional showdown at the Supreme Court. Joining me is Jennifer Daskal, a professor at American University Washington College of Law and founding editor of The Justice security blog. Jennifer, first let's deal with the concerns the president's allies and even his own lawyer have raised that the special counsel could be setting what they call a perjury trap. Explain what that is and how likely it is that Mueller's team would abuse the legal process in that way. 
so perjury is just, is simply a charge based on um, lying um, under oath, um, and so the, you know as to whether or not there is a trap. I mean, it's it's an it's an obligation not to lie under oath, um, and so um, you know it, it certainly that can be a charge if in fact that happens. But um, you know, I expect and hope that the Mueller investigation is proceeding um, with good faith as it should. Now, I want to go down the line and deal with all the possibilities if Trump declines the interview. The New York Times has reported that some members of Trump's legal team believe that Mueller would be reluctant to subpoena him. Mueller has a team of aggressive prosecutors, and he seems to be conducting a rigorous investigation. Do you think it likely that he will subpoena Trump? So unclear. It's hard to, I mean, again, it's, it's hard to predict, um, especially in the midst of a fast-moving investigation like this. And there's obviously huge risks to having a showdown with the president at this point. So if the president refuses um, and he issues a subpoena, then um, as as um, you stated in the lead up to this, that could that could you know be something that goes all the way up to the Supreme Court, just as the subpoena over the um, tapes and and Watergate did. So uh, you know, I my guess you know if is that um, Mueller will do everything possible to avoid that because it's obviously controversial. It causes delay. Um, it politicizes even more the investigation beyond what's been politicized already. Um, but then again, if the investigators decide that the testimony that getting um, getting Trump's statements is essential to the case, then we may see a subpoena be issued. Hard to say. There's, Hard to know at this point. There's precedent for a president being subpoenaed to testify um, in, in a criminal investigation with Bill Clinton. But so if there is a showdown at the Supreme Court, um, are there grounds to distinguish this from the Clinton and Nixon cases and the dictum that the court issued there? So in the in the Nixon case, the, the Nixon was was ordered to turn over the tapes, and he ultimately did. Um, you know, I you know, it's again, these are fact specific inquiries, but you know, if there's a basis for a subpoena, um, I, I you know, we'd have to wait and see what happens. Um, but I expect that um, hopefully the president would comply rather than um, drag this all the way up to the Supreme Court. So now. If the Supreme Court, let's say it is taken to the Supreme Court, if the Supreme Court rules that Trump has to appear before the grand jury, he could take the Fifth Amendment. How would that affect the legal case against him, if at all? So if he claimed the Fifth Amendment, um, he would basically, um, th- then there would be a choice. Um, the if, if, in fact, the Mueller investigation, if the Mueller team decided to um, insist on his testimony, they could not prosecute him based on the statements that he made. Um, so, a- again, it depends um, who is the target of the investigation. There is an ongoing and active legal debate about whether um, it's even possible to criminally charge a sitting president. Um, a, a lot of scholars say it's not. So um, President Trump is, is arguably potentially protected from criminal prosecution um, already. Um, but as by asserting the fifth, um, that would be an additional protection. So as far as obstruction of justice charges, Mueller would have to establish that Trump acted with corrupt intent. Can he exactly. do that without interviewing the president? 
Um, you know, it's, it can be difficult, but it's also possible, you know, you don't have to get the statements of the individual in order to pr- prove that. So um, there could be a whole host of circumstantial evidence, of a, a, not more than circumstantial evidence, but direct evidence, including documents, including statements of others. Um, so it's, it's possible to prove that without, um, without actually getting um, the statements from, from President Trump. Himself again, as I said, there's you know an ongoing and active debate about whether a sitting president can be criminally charged. So obstruction of justice charges, to the extent that they are brought, are more likely to be brought in the course of an impeachment proceeding rather than a criminal prosecution. Um, but we we you know there's still there's a whole host of hurdles before that would ever happen as well. Let's turn to the memo and the Intelligence Committee, which voted unanimously to release the memo. It's now in the president's hands. What is he likely to do? So unclear. Um, Some statements today suggested that um, they are not likely to release the memo, or if they are, they would release it with significant redactions. Um, You know, this, you know, real concerns here that um, the classification process that the intelligence, um, the access to information, intelligence information is being used in a politicized way in ways that are extremely concerning and quite damaging. Uh, the New York Times is asking the the FISA court to unseal the secret documents related to the wiretapping of Carter Page. I don't believe that's ever been done before. We have about 30 seconds. Is that a possibility? Anything's a possibility. Um, you know, a lot of things have happened that I would never have predicted in the past, but I think it's highly unlikely. All right. Thank you. That's Jennifer Daskal, professor at American University Washington College of Law and founding editor of the Just Security blog. Thanks for listening to the Bloomberg Law Podcast. You can subscribe and listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and on Bloomberg.com slash podcast. I'm June Grosso. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg.